Well, hello, and uh, thank you for tuning in to our uh, podcast, our videocast, uh, Permission Ministries. Uh, my name is Michael Hubbard. This is my friend Gary Goodell, and we're just here to talk about Jesus, about the church, and about doing things differently. It's one of our passions. Uh, we've both been in the ministry longer than we like to think. We've mm-hmm. learned a few things, and uh, it's about time for us in this stage of our life, to, as our legacy, to get these things out, to share them. And if you're interested in some of this stuff, uh, we want to invite you to check out our website, permissionministries.com. And uh, there's several ways to connect with us. Uh, we have mentoring programs, um, articles, a couple of Gary's books he's written here. We've got a couple lead, uh, Where Jesus Leads. It's a great book on what's called Chaotic Leadership. And um, I think we covered that in some of our other topics, our previous uh, uh, shows. And then, of course, kind of the uh, the trendsetter, the first one that got going was Permission Granted, went with a guy, written with a guy named uh, Graham Cook. You may have heard of him before. But um, we just want to uh, dedicate this next few shows to our, our values. Um, you know, a lot of people sometimes don't think about values. They just they just kind of do things. But if you, if you dig a little bit, you find that people really have core beliefs, principles that they always go to. You know, for example, a big value of Jesus was, you know, love one another. I mean, he, he drove that home over and over. So, um, of, of course, we'd all adopt that one. But uh, values also have a way of expressing themselves in unique ways. Every church, every ministry, every person. So maybe, you know, Gary, just talk a little bit about the importance of values for any organization. A person, a business, doesn't matter. We all have values we go by and why those are important. Yeah, in all my years in working with other churches, um, one of the thing, <clears throat> things that came up was the, um, the every every one of them that was growing and moving and doing things differently had a staff retreat right. somewhere in the mountains, wherever they lived. But one of the discussions in the in the core of the retreat was what their core values were, and so they you know it's a big whiteboard with a splat. They put everything right. on there that they value, and then they narrowed it down to three or four because the emphasis was also coming out of that situation right. or that experience with a mission statement. Right. Well, the mission statement of Jesus was that he called people among his culture called the fishermen called the tax collector called them to be with him as he says in mark that he might send them so i I think for me michael what i've learned in the nine or ten churches we've worked with over the years is you will you will end up doing your values the bottom line is you're going to keep doing the four or five things that you value the most. One of the weird parts of what we do with that is we try to put that in a service. So those are the components of your gathering. If you have a high value of worship, if you have a high value of the word, but most churches in the institutional set don't have a real high value of relationship because they spend so much time doing other things. Well, now you're talking about one of our chief ones of, of uh, our eight core values we have with, with uh, Permission Ministries Third Day, and that's relationship. Um, and to me, just to add to the value discussion a little bit, values are, are why we do what we do. Exactly. It, like you said, exactly. it comes naturally. Yeah. You can be with someone for 10 minutes and find out, boy, that guy has a value for this or that or the other. And I think it's important to be intentional and really think through your values a little bit because so, sometimes they begin misconstrued by people or you realize 
we call it talking new, acting old. We're, we're, we're talking a certain value, but we're not really in, reinforces it. So let's talk a little about relational. Uh, that was the big one for you. Just tell the story about that a little bit. Yeah, well, in, our, in the newsletter that you re- recently put out, I told the story of um, my first pastor in 1972. Jan and I and the kid, little kids moved to Northern California to become a pastor of a small church. And, I, and I, when I say small, I mean small. <laughs> the Sunday before we arrived, literally, and I'm not exaggerating, there were four people in the building. And so we were there. It has been shut down twice. So we stayed there for four or five years and, and grew this thing. But what came up for me in our first pastorate was my dad's values that he had passed on to me. Right. And a couple of them were really extremely painful. And basically, he schooled me with the idea, you can't get close to anybody in your church because right. you'll lose your authority. And you can't get close to any pastors in the city other pastors in the town you're in because you'll lose your competitive edge. Yeah. So here's my little family, Jane and Brian and Becky, and we lived in this little apartment trying to pastor this little church. And I know I keep emphasizing little, but it was there. Where was this at? Northern California? Yeah, Northern California. In in the town of Cottonwood. It's about 15 miles south of Redding, California. Okay. So anyway. Redding was, Redding was the major city in the town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, going to town was going to Redding or going the opposite way to Chico. So here I am realizing that dad had set these values in me, but they really weren't values for me. I was literally feeling lonely. And I think one of the great side effects of that kind of mentality is aloneness and... Yeah. Uh, maybe even a lack of c- confidence with other people. But anyway, to make a long story short, those are my dad's values in me. I was speaking in the church and began to grow. And one day after the service, this one young guy, I remember he had a long beard. He was a beekeeper. His name was John. Came up to me after the meeting and he said, Gary, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. He said, uh, God told me I'm supposed to be your friend. It actually scared me because because it was going to cross my dad's value. And literally from that day on, we had coffee. We went, played tennis together. We went on walks together. Uh, we sat in the hot tub together. And I developed an amazing friendship with him. So I broke through. My point of it is, is be careful when somebody else or some other organization puts their values on you. Right, right. Because then there's a tension of values. Right. And um, the next thing that happened almost simultaneously within the first year is I became best friends with a pastor of another church in town. Here's here's how it worked for me. Relationship comes out of time spent together. That's it. And you can't do both a resistance of that and an enveloping of that. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to do what some pastors I know used to do. Used to go to another town, and they do, they had friends in the other town, but they weren't friends with anybody in their community. Jesus is looking for friends. Right, right. So it's not just about elbow rubbing. It's about intimacy, right. honesty, transparency. I think it's also a tremendous protection for a leader. 
if he develops an honest place in his life where he's being authentic as a friend. One of the classic scriptures you quote is, one of your favorites is Mark 3.14. Right. Which says... Yeah, he, he called, called them, them that they might be with him and that he might send them. Right. Well, we know that statistical... He, he would be with them for three and a half years. Towards the end of the ministry or the mission, he sent them out, sent the 70, sent the disciples out. So... Maybe that's the balance and the rub. That um, if we have just nurture in our relationship, it'll become self-feeding. Mm -hmm. If we have just ministry, or, just ministry or evangelism or outreach, it'll be the we'll get burnout. Mm -hmm. So either so there's I don't even know how to make a balance there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably going to be different for every guy because every 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 leader has different needs. Some are more personal, some are more introverted, but still the point you're saying is we've got to have some connections where we can be ourselves, where we can, uh, I, I used to call it put the ministry down. Exactly. And it took me stepping out of ministry totally to get to that point because you always wore this, but you have to have people around you who just accept you for what you are. They don't, you don't, not person with a title, you're just one of the guys. Exactly. One of the guys. Well, see, for me, and again, for me, it's like um, Jan and I celebrate this year, 53 years of marriage. Um, it was right up in the very beginning of our married life and ministry life together that I realized that I had a mistress. <laughs> okay. And the mistress was the church. Yeah. I was so committed. But see, that's part of my brokenness. I was leading a performance-driven life right. because I always wanted to know if I was okay. Right, right. Is this enough? Right. And, and so I, I dealt with my own personal brokenness. And obviously, the intimacy with Jane... And I've, I've thought about this. Maybe you guys have thought about it too, you, you, you leaders. What did Jesus do all the time? Well, he, we know he prayed for the sick and rose, raised people from the dead and all that kind of stuff. But I was thinking more like sleeping uh, with your sleeping bags on the, on the edge of the mountain. Right, right. And um, they were camping out constantly. Exactly. Out they, 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 were, they were migrants. You know, they mm -hmm. were... They were spent a lot of time together talking. Yeah, and so so every bit every night going to bed, and you know it's kind of like um, you know, good night, John boy, you know, right. good night, Pete, and that kind of relational thing. And if you look at the the chaotic order of his life, that Jesus changed lives, and he'd go do a miracle, he'd go preach a great sermon. And then his disciples would gather around him, and he would give them a debriefing right. or an overdue. So it's really I, well. You read through the Gospels constantly. They're walking along the road. They're going to a city, right. and and something happens. A conversation breaks out, or he overhears them talking about who's the greatest. And we know that comes that, that leads to a whole conversation of Jesus saying things, being servant of all. So it was in the moment yep. that discipleship took place. It was in the moment that that things happened. It wasn't always at the service, the church plan it was just living life together and, so, and as someone said so eloquently jesus was killed he was sacrificed got arrested because of his questionable associations right so i go back to my friend john the beekeeper the most unlikely guy but the most uh rewarding relationship i ever had yeah so I think pastors spend too many time in pastors' meetings kind of stroking their own ego and right. passing on their resume. And um, 
So I would encourage you to develop friendships, and they come in different circles. We know that. John, you know, laying his head on Christ's chest, the one, the three, Peter, James, and John, the the 12, the 70, 70, and then then I put the 120 in the upper room in that, even though they were, Jesus was leaving, he's gone. Even the 5,000 that he fed, plus women and children. So there's a concentric. He had a family. He had built a family. And he had had all kinds of levels of association. Right. And I picture Jesus going down the hillside, walking through the orchard with with his hand on the guys, them running alongside. One of those guys has got to throw rock at another. (laughs) Uh, And at night, you think about how many guys snored in that group. Right, right. You know, so there's all kinds of discussions. So, but this was the launch for you, Gary. This this encounter with this guy started the wheel spinning for you for some of the, the things that we're living in now, changing the way we do church totally. Yeah, and I fi- finally realized that. We find that in the book. It's core. Doing one the one another's. Mm-hmm. I asked that big question, where do we do them? Yeah. And I realized, and it's not, not rocket scientists, I realized that we have to encourage people but also model for people. Yeah. Well, Gary, there's, there's more on this subject. We'll get to that in a minute. I just want to let everybody know um, that you can get a lot of this from our book, Permission Granted, and um, also our website. There's tons of articles where Gary elaborates more on this. We have some other articles from other brothers and sisters on their teachings. So Permission Granted or PermissionMinistries.com. Check it out. And uh, good talking to you. We'll continue this a little bit longer. Thanks, bud.